Welcome to the Get the Knack podcast. I am your host, Jerry Knack, and I am joined by a very, very good friend and former colleague. He is a sports journalist, a digital content guru, maybe is the right word. Uh, He's been working in, in digital sports journalism for a long time. He writes better English than most Americans I know. Please welcome to the program, Sebastian Stoltz, all the way from Austria. Sebastian, how are you? Good, Jerry. Nice to hear you, and thanks for the introduction. Absolutely. Hopefully, I wasn't uh, wasn't incorrect there in anything. Uh, you're originally from uh, Germany, and you uh, recently moved to Austria. That is true. Like, uh, yeah, um, officially, I'm I'm in Austria now since two and a half months. So, one of the things that we talked about because the reason i don't like to talk about you know too much of my my career uh with the with the raiders because um that's not what this show is about but it's important for the audience to know all 17 of them how we met and how we got to be friends in the first place and and so back in the day we we produced content in all different languages for raiders.com which i was in charge of at the time and that's how we met you became the uh contributor of original and translated content in german for raiders.com later on you became the pr guy and content facilitator and creator uh, for what became the raiders sister team in austria as part of the austrian football league the swarko raiders and that was a team that was sponsored by elizabeth elizabeth swarovski yes that swarovski so that's the long and short of it how we got to know each other sebastian came uh came to visit several times uh up the training camp and and also uh uh, in Chicago, and I'll tell that story in a little bit uh, for a preseason <laughs> game. Um, but uh, but Sebastian uh, Sebastian's been in sports journalism and digital media for a very very long time. He's covered soccer uh, with the Bundesliga. Uh, Sebastian, how would you describe your career? Uh, I, I would probably I would I would probably say it's uh, it was entertaining, or it still is entertaining, and it's. Um, yeah, it's 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 not the average career, you know. That's that's what I always try to try to tell, teach my kids that I might not have, I might not be the richest guy out there, and might not have the biggest car, but I met a lot of interesting people, uh, whether they've been sports celebrities or just people behind the scenes like you and I. Um, yeah, and that's that's so. I always I always loved what I did and what I do because because it really it took me places and uh, you know now I'm on your podcast and uh, which which means I'm I'm one of the seventeen that listens to it I guess <laughs> and, and uh, you know that's a perfect example. I mean, we met through the job and became good friends, and uh, that's you know that's I, got, I know people all over the world. Yeah, and you know it's really interesting that. The, the places that we have met up, right? Because Napa, California for Raiders training camp and obviously Oakland for games. But also we had the opportunity to catch up in 2014 in London, England and and, and catch up for meals and and, and a few uh, adult beverages and, and hang out at uh, Trafalgar <laughs> Square right near Piccadilly Circus and and, and all of that. And, and, and again, Chicago. Now, I, since I've set it up twice now, I can tell the story. 
right? So I don't even remember why you were there in Chicago or in the States uh, to begin with at, at that point, right? But you were like, I'm going to be in Chicago or I can be in Chicago for this preseason game between the Raiders and the Bears. It's like, all right, fantastic. We'll hang out on Michigan Avenue and, and do all this stuff. So backstory is in 1988 in Memphis, Tennessee, I saw a concert called the Monsters of Rock. And it was like uh, Great White, Dokken, I forget who else, and the Scorpions and Van Halen. And I'll never forget it, right? Long, that's an even longer story for another time. So, great concert. So, I'm familiar with the Scorpions. The Scorpions were huge when I was coming up. I was, a, I don't know if I call myself a fan, but, you know, I like some of their stuff. So, we're talking about the Scorpions, you and I, in Chicago, and we're like, yeah, we heard they're going to retire. They're not going to tour anymore. No more albums, blah, 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 blah. Well, I pull out my dress shirt for the game that night because I'm going to iron it. And it has a huge rip in it. And we're like, man, I got to go. I got to go get a new shirt. So I grab poor Sebastian. Let's go shopping downtown <laughs> Chicago on a Saturday afternoon or whatever it was. And here we are. We're going all there. We're going to H&M. We're going to Macy's. We're going, right? Because Macy's has got like 20 stories or whatever in Chicago. So we're going to all these spots. And who the fuck do we see walking down the streets in downtown Chicago but the Scorpions? Filming a documentary. And who's got to go talk to them because the Scorpions are from Germany? My man, Sebastian. (laughs) They were, they were, uh, let's say, they were a bit surprised. Huh? <laughs> Someone comes up to them and speaks to them in German. That was, uh, yeah, that was, I mean, we, we just, we basically just walked by. We didn't really stand there and talk to them forever, but maybe it was like three minutes, five minutes, whatever, but it was, uh, it was fun, yeah. Yeah, but, you know, talk about, you know, coincidence, serendipity or whatever, right? Here, here yeah. I am with my German-speaking friend, and we're having a conversation about, you know, bands from Germany and then just out of the clear blue, there they are right there on the street. It it was just surreal. I'll never forget it. But another weird thing that happened when you came to training camp one year with a couple of guys from the Swarco Raiders who what's interesting about club teams in Europe is a lot of times former players become coaches, right? So a couple of the guys come over and, and uh, I'm taking you guys out to dinner and we're driving along and and the, the rental car you guys had, had one of those old aerial radio antennas. And as we're driving along, a bat ends up attached to the radio antenna, if you recall. <laughs> oh, yes, true. So we're, we're driving up to St. Helena on Route 29 in Northern California, and there's a bat attached to our radio antenna. Uh, <laughs> so it, it's really interesting, all the little little things. And then the other crazy thing was, here you are in Napa, California, with, with Peter Schwarzer, and I can't remember who else you were with. And where do I find you fuckers? You're at Applebee's. Of all places. Of huh? all, you're in Napa, California. You've got the French Laundry. <laughs> you've got you got all these other fantastic high end places you could go to. And where do I find you at freaking Applebee's? Yeah, we're we're not high end. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Sebastian, the last few years, uh, several years maybe, you've been working in hockey. So tell me about the yeah. the, new, the new gig in Austria and what you got going on. Yeah, I. Uh, I actually started working here in Austria hockey uh, in March, and then the family moved over um, in September uh, during the summer vacation break. Um, yeah, I've been in hockey now. I think I started in 2014, 15, something like that. 
back in Hamburg. And then um, uh, it's a team that was actually owned by the Anschutz Entertainment Group. And um, But then they decided out of nowhere, out of the blue, to basically shut it down, that team. Uh, then I moved to Frankfurt uh, to work for a hockey team there. And after three years, and with all the COVID stuff hitting everyone pretty hard, I got an offer to work for Red Bull Hockey here in, in Austria. And um, um, yeah, I couldn't say no because it's a beautiful city and it's Red Bull and there's a lot of great stuff going on. And uh, yeah, that's why I'm here and I'm in charge of media and brand. And so there's a lot of digital stuff. And yeah, as the name says, a lot of brand stuff. And um, it's, it's, it's interesting. Um, obviously, these days... Uh, you, you never know what's going on next week, but um, but it's, it's a great job. It's a great gig. It's it's a lot of fun, and I'm going to enjoy tomorrow's game because it's going to be the last game for probably a while with fans because they're going to shut them out again. So I did hear something about that. Actually, Angie, my wife, told me something about that. She's like, you know, I might want to ask Sebastian about that, that they were they were about to drop some heavy COVID restrictions because yep. that, was, that was one of the things I wanted to talk to you about, you know, over the last, you know, going on two years now, you know, I like I said, I was just getting into um, Premier League soccer, right? And I know you worked, uh, did some stuff for Bundesliga a few years ago, the, the the top league in Germany for soccer. And, you know, just as I get into it, they ban fans, <laughs> right? I'm like, and then they're piping in bad crowd noise on the broadcast. And you're just like, this is, no, I can't do this. And now I hear NBC is going to drop their sports network and they're going to start airing Premier League games on like the USA network, which is really, really weird. Um, but um, but yeah, how's it been over in Europe with uh, with the COVID restrictions and testing, vaccinations, and that kind of thing. How's how's it been the last eighteen going on eighteen months going on two years? Yeah, I think it's it's probably a little different than in the U.S. because although it's called European Union, you know, when it comes to crisis situations, everyone is his closest friend. So, um, so every country does different stuff and then there's certain countries that are like even regional it's different different rules and regulations so it's kind of um yeah I, I think i wish just speaking of germany and austria i wish there would be more stricter regulations and rules whatever they might be i might not like them at all but but this is all as i as we say over here vishy vashi <laughs> it's all there's it pretty much probably you might even understand what it means so it's is is this and that and it's up and down and black and white and it's just there's no straight line and i think in crisis situations uh, you would expect certain people um that uh sit on top of a country uh, to be more like like this and uh that's a, that's an issue in germany so we also had elections in germany so when you have elections you know there's more people telling you what you what you think what you want to hear and then it, actually they do something else so it's been uh it's been <laughs> politicians it's been don't down, right? don't change yeah. regardless of continent no, no. or border do they true so it's it's been um yeah, it's it's an up and down ride here and it's it's the same in austria as in germany pretty much the same it's a smaller country but we still speak German here, and it's 
But there is other countries in Europe where it's completely different. Like in, I think in, in, in the, in the northern countries in Scandinavia, like Sweden, Norway and stuff, they, they really, um, have complete different rules and very strict rules. And as far as I know, their numbers always been pretty much uh, the, the lowest in Europe. And there's other countries who, you know, really don't even care about COVID. So I've been to Poland for a video shoot a couple months ago, and I had to go through Czech Republic to get to Poland. And I was like, oh, what do I need? Okay, I need to register here and register there. And I need a test for this and a test for that. And it can't be older than, I don't know, 24 hours in this country and 48 in this country. So I had all this, and there was just no border control whatsoever. <laughs> it just <laughs> oh, drove in, drove in, next country, next country, drove back. Like, okay, I, I had all this for nothing. So it's like, it's, you know, every country is a little different. Um, but now here in Austria, they're, they're, um, COVID numbers are going through the roof, unfortunately. And so they, um, we have a lockdown starting on Monday. Well, just like you, you said each country is different there. Here in the United States, it seems like every state is different, right? Yeah, so probably, huh? Right. So you have some places where COVID's kind of under control and and things are better, and you know, even though the mask mandates came back around and and that kind of thing, uh, especially especially in the more progressive states, uh, you know, like like uh, here where I am in Washington and California and some other places. And then, you know, again, I don't want to get into politics, um, but there's a lot of places that, you know, obviously you follow a lot of what we do here, you know, the red and the blue, right? And it seems like the red states seem to have the bigger problems because they're more um, against the mask mandates and against vaccination for whatever reason. Again, don't want to get into it, but... The, the bottom line is it's different from state to state, right? So some places have tougher and stricter uh, mandates and, and re restrictions as opposed to other places. And, uh, you know, as much as I supported the guy, you got the governor of California doing dumb shit too. So, uh, you know, <laughs> running off and having dinner when he's not supposed to and, you know, it was triggered a recall election that failed miserably, but, you know. Uh, here, here in Washington, you know, we're, we're all still wearing masks when we go to restaurants and, and that kind of thing, but the economy is open, right? So a lot of places are open. What I wanted to ask you about, and I don't know if you've seen this on the news and maybe you have, and maybe it's affecting you. And, and that's what I wanted to ask here in the U S we've been talking a lot about the supply chain, especially as, um, Christmas approaches, right? Everybody's worried. Oh, if I order through Amazon, am I going to get my shit, right? Am I going to get my whatevers? Um, which I would encourage people to shop local anyway, right? Go to the local shops, go to the local uh, handmade, whatever, you know, get unique gifts, right? You don't have to do the commercial stuff. But here, the problem is because of COVID and because of extended unemployment benefits and that kind of thing, a lot of people decided when they got laid off from their job, I'm not going back to that shitty job or I'm not going back to the job I don't like. I'm going to go do something else and I don't have to rush back to work. So what the problem this has caused is a shortage of truck drivers. Now I know England has had some problems, but I don't know about the rest of Europe, right? So I don't know if you're having similar issues in Austria and Germany getting 
stuff. Even as, and and for us, it's like th- it's it's not just your small things like dumb shit like Playstations and Xboxes. It's things like washing machines and dryers and dishwashers and you know like big ticket appliances, refrigerators. Are you guys having trouble over in Europe with the supply chain? Uh, I, th- I think in certain areas we do, but I think it's more like like you know when, when I bought want to buy a camera for for work, then I might have to wait ten weeks now. Stuff like that, you, which is usually stuff that probably comes from China, and that takes longer for several reasons, not not only COVID, um, but there 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 are some some issues, but I don't think they're this big, at least mm. not for now. Um, yeah, I mean, how how much do you rely on online shopping and and delivery in Austria anyway? I think. Actually, yeah, more more than I should, I guess. <laughs> I, mean, I think I think I'm just very very lazy when it comes to shopping. I'm I'm not a big let's go out do some shopping because it's like you know we're getting old, Jerry. So for me, yeah. three, three hours in a shopping mall is is tougher than climbing a mountain here in Austria. So, <laughs> so right. That's that's why I I rather have it delivered to my house, but it's. Uh, would really, you know, I have a 14 year old son who who has stuff delivered to our house each and every day, basically. I have a wife. I, I have a wife that does that. So yeah, I get it. But with my son is like, you know, with your wife, you, you probably have a good idea where she has the money from. With my son, it's <laughs> it's like, <laughs> how does it? How how in the world? I mean, I know kids are different these days. So my I know my son sells some stuff that he doesn't want to wear anymore shoes shirts whatever online um and buy something else for it but it's it's kind of strange that you're like i know how much pocket money he gets how in the world was he able to buy this stuff but you know (laughs) since it's it's bought at, at normal regular online shops and we didn't have any police visitors i i I assume everything's okay We are we are talking about Elvis here, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah <laughs> now, now Clay's not into this yet, is he? How old is Clay now? He's uh, seven years. Okay, yeah. so you you got a little ways to go before Clay starts online shopping. True. Yeah. So so you're lucky there. Now Elvis plays a little hockey too, right? Uh, that's uh, let's cut this story a little short. He, 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 he did a lot and he was really, really talented actually. But, um, he decided to, to, you know, teenagers all of a sudden, Fair. you know, when we moved here, all other things became important or, or the other way around things that he didn't have anymore. When you move as a, as a child, you know, friends, school, whatever. Um, yeah, he kind of had a rough start. So that's why he, took time off. I don't know if he gets back to it or not cuz which would be really kind of hard when you when you know you have a kid that is really talented at something and he doesn't want to do it anymore. It's really mm-hmm. tough. Yeah. Cuz you know, you never know what's going to happen down the road. You never know if it's going to bring him anything when he's 18, 20. You never know. There might be injuries, there might be others that are better, whatever, but Sure. But to to at least have this opportunity is something and sometimes the, the problem with kids at this age is they don't listen. 
they don't want to hear what they they don't they don't care what you have to say. You know, you might they might look back at it in ten years and say, oh, maybe I should have listened. But you know, it's a lesson he's got to learn. I guess I've spent a good part of my adult life wishing I listened to my father. So see, you know. Mainly in the areas of, you know, like finance and, and, you know, taking care of credit and money and that kind of thing. But still, I mean, I do, I, you know, you, you do, you spend a good part of your adult life wishing you listen to your, your folks, right? How's Katya doing? Oh, you know, she's, um, Katya's my wife. Just so everybody knows who we talk. I don't have a third child. It's my wife. <laughs> <laughs> she, she's, um, you know, she's, you know, you know how it is. Wife. She's. She's the boss here. She she yeah, she makes she sure she makes sure everything runs smoothly. And uh, I'm extremely thankful to have a wife that does all the moving that we did over mm. the last. You know, we're married for more than 15 years now, and we moved. I would say five six times, and we moved to a lot of different cities. Now we moved to a different country, and it's it's although it's you, you know it's it's, it's the European Union, and it's the same language that we're speaking here in Austria, but it's still, when you move to a different country, there's so many stuff that is different and that you didn't think it would be different. And then you're like, oh, especially a car. We, we need a new car. And then they got this weird tax here, and we were like, oh, what? we got to pay 2500 just for having a car? Mm. It's not even the, the normal tax that you're paying and stuff like this insurance. It's it's on top. It's just on top, just like that, because they can. <laughs> so, right, 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 right. Know, yeah, okay. exactly. But so I, there's a lot of stuff that you that you that you didn't have in, and, in mind when when you moved. And you know damn well, Katya keeps you and the boys straight. So she's yeah, she's she's taking care of all that. I mean, it's uh, and there's good days and there's days when she is pretty. Yeah, pissed. <laughs> <laughs> well, she's married she's to you, so you know. Yeah, yeah she's just yeah. basically she's she's. That's 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 her good right to be you yeah. know mad at me for yeah. making us move every now and then. But I wouldn't the family mind, all over Europe. Yeah. yeah, I wouldn't mind staying here because um, yeah, it's a great city. It's a great place, and uh, yeah, we'll see. So it's kind of funny that. Uh, <laughs> So my favorite Christmas movie is White Christmas, right? And it's funny because every time I watch this film, there's one line, and I think of you every time. And and it's, uh, you know, we talked about, you know, the Swarco Raiders, right? And they play in Innsbruck, Austria. And uh, it's a region called Tyrol, right? Am I pronouncing it correct? Yep. yep. And, right. And, and it's so funny because in the movie White Christmas, the housekeeper – talks about how the retired general bought this ski lodge and it's basically a Tyrolean haunted house because they have no <laughs> guests. Nobody, there's no snow and there's nobody there. Now it's a Tyrolean haunted house. And every time I think of you because of the Swarker Raiders and in Innsbruck, Innsbruck, Austria and in the Tyrol region uh, over there. Um, one of the, in all our travels and all the stuff we've done together over the years, that one thing I, I, you know, I have yet to meet Katya, and uh, and uh, hopefully uh, that happens one of these days. Um, sure, she, she wasn't with us in London, right? No, 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 it was you and Elvis and Peter Schwartz, yeah. and and sure. uh, and then we went to the the pub and had fish and chips and beer, yeah. and um, you know it was 
I wanted to get your impression. I know it's seven years ago when we were there together. But one of the things I found fascinating about London, and one of the things I had to see, I had to see Piccadilly Circus at night. One of my favorite movies of all time is The American Werewolf in London, which was filmed in 1981. (laughs) And Piccadilly Circus has changed so much since then, right? But I had to see it at night. And as Angie and I were walking from our hotel, I... First of all, I saw a club, and and I I wish I really knew what uh, what country of origin it was, uh, but it was Middle Eastern folks, and somebody had gotten a Rolls Royce for their birthday, and I'm like, what kind of money is there floating around <laughs> in this town? And then we we walked all the way to Piccadilly just because I wanted to see what the atmosphere was like, and I saw I couldn't tell you how many. Ferraris, Lamborghinis, and and the people getting out of them look like they were 22 years old, fresh-faced, you know, and you're like, where do you get your money from? And, you know, these young kids were all going to the club or whatever, and I'm just like, are you kidding me? I, I was just <laughs> stunned by, by there was, I mean, London's a great city, and I, I absolutely uh, cherish the, the few, few days I got to spend there, but I was just like, oh, my God, the money in this town. It's absolutely ridiculous. I, I don't know what your impressions of London are. Uh, I think, yeah, London. I love London. I mean, unfortunately, since since uh, the UK decided to leave the European Union, it's it's not like you know we need a visa to get there. But um, um, and then COVID came and everything. But but I love London. It's a great city. It's, it's isn't it? It's it's, it's different it's like it's like it's probably more american than it is british um but it's just a great it's a big city and it's it's a lot of great stuff you can do there and it's uh it's not the cheapest city that's for sure um but yeah i loved it i was there i think 2014 and um a couple more times later yeah i was hoping to go again but uh the opportunity wasn't there um so this kind of leads me into the next thing I wanted to, to kind of talk about. One of the things that you and I have always discussed was genealogy, right? And, and countries of origin and nationality and, and ethnicity and that kind of thing. And, you know, we always kind of joke that, you know, we didn't know what I was because, you know, I knew I was adopted and all. Um, but my last name, was it, was it German? Was it Dutch? Uh, yeah. you know, I shared with you some of the, uh, uh, research that I found, some of the, the census from, from Germany and, you know, my, uh, my knack ancestors hail from Mecklenburg's fair Inn, and, uh, you know, they, they boarded a boat from, uh, from Hamburg, the SS Pennsylvania to come over to the U S and in 1900. And you and I've had this, this conversation, well, come to find out. And there's some epic blog post coming and I don't want to get too deep into it because I, <laughs> I, I need to talk to some folks before I like start sharing who they are. Um, but come to find out, at least from a nationality and an ethnicity standpoint, I am English, Irish and Scottish. There's there's hardly any German in me at all. There's a little bit because, you know, uh, if people knew their Charlemagne and knew their history, um, you know, of Germania and France and and Charlemagne used to rule all of it um, that, uh, yeah, that I'm actually, you know, and, and maybe that's why London resonated with me so much. And that's why I like dark <laughs> beer and whiskey uh, as much as I do. Um, but, yeah, come to find out uh, at least, you know, my DNA is uh is very much uh uk 
And uh, however, I've become the keeper of the Knack family tree and I've written, I don't know how many words or how many pages. It's not quite finished. It needs another edit pass and some some corrections, but I've written the Knack family history. And what's interesting, what's interesting is prior to 1867, all the records were church records. Right. And, I, and it was, you, you know, you know, you hear about things like here in the U.S. We're, we're so stupid about history. Um, you know, we, we think of the battleship Bismarck. We don't think about the guy Bismarck. And he's he's <laughs> he's huge in German history. He unified the country and 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 made went from church records to municipal records. And and that's why it's kind of been hard to find Knack family history is because you got to go back and you got to you got to find um all these uh, church records and more and more yeah. is, is coming available online. I'll, I'll have to share with you what I've written because I think you'll find it fascinating. And I do talk about Bismarck and unification of the country and um, how, you know, Mecklenburg Schwerin was kind of uh, from a, kind of a, an outlier when it came to uh, religious faith. They were Lutheran compared to uh, a lot of the country was not at the time. So, uh, what I found, and, and I don't know, you know, obviously you, you know better than I do, but a lot of, a lot of people in the, uh, the late 1800s left Germany because it was shifting from, uh, a farming agricultural country to an industrialized, uh, manufacturing country. Sam, you know more about Germany than I do. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean that's why the Knacks left. They were they were farmers, and it was becoming too industrialized. And, and there was a mass exodus from the country starting at about like 1890, maybe even a little, maybe 1880 into the early 1900s of people leaving Germany to come to the U.S. to be to farm here. Believe you know, I mean, if you farm, that's what you do, right? See, okay, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of farmland in the U.S. more than in Germany, I guess. Right, but as you know, as as Bismarck uh, Otto Otto von Bismarck, I think that was his name, um, you know, unified the the country and and he was like the first chancellor, right? Um, you know, it became more of a you know the industrial revolution got to everybody eventually, and uh, in in Germany became more industrialized. A lot of people left Germany to go farm somewhere else. To, and and that's what the Knacks did. They moved to Western New York, and and they farmed in uh, near near a town called Victor, just outside of Rochester, which is where I grew up. So, See. yeah. Um, so I thought it was really really interesting. But you know, um, I know that uh, you know not too far from uh, from where you lived in Hamburg. You know, there's there's a province of Ivan Knack and and a lot of that stuff where where my Knack ancestors hail from. And I was actually able to find some new information going all the way back to the, the late 1700s. Wow, that's that's cool. But what it's interesting, my friend, is I found that um, your baptism record and your birth certificate are two totally different things. These folks had like eight middle names on their their baptism. <laughs> And you're, you're trying to trying to make and you saw some of the stuff I sent you the the census from 1867 trying to figure out who the fuck is who in these houses you know who's related to who who's married to who is not very clear. You know, back then, you know, no, no Excel sheets back then, so <laughs> it's a little and, different. And everybody wrote in cursive, 
right? So you yeah. you know you get to read some some census taker's handwriting in 1867, right? And and maybe he had a few too many uh, too many brews while he's taking census. <laughs> so I wanted to uh, talk to you a little bit about the sports landscape in in Europe these days, right? Since you know I know you work in hockey and whatnot, but you know I know you pay attention to a lot of stuff. You know who's got fans, who's doing what. Uh, you know, it, it's uh, it's some of it's easy to follow from here, and some of it's different. I mean, the internet is the, the great equalizer, right? But what's going on yeah. in the sports landscape in Europe these days? I mean, we just had the Olympics, and uh, you know, France went pretty far in, in men's basketball, and um, you know, it, it's uh, it's it's quite interesting how different the European sports landscape and the U.S. landscape is. Uh, but what's what's happening in European sports? Uh, you know, as of like right now. Um, you know, the funny thing is that I'm actually not th- not that much into European sports. You know, I've always been a NFL fan, college football fan, and stuff like that, baseball. So Europe is like, you know, I, I, I get some information about soccer here and there, and then uh, obviously hockey, uh, a lot of hockey. Um, and that's that's almost it. I'm really bad at what happens in table tennis or volleyball or <laughs> really really or, really or beach handball what the fuck is beach handball i barely know what handball is in in the international sport landscape but what the hell is beach handball that's new to me too i didn't know there was beach handball but handball is handball is extremely popular in germany it's uh it's actually a pretty Pretty rough sport. I remember um, when I worked in, in Hamburg. Um, before I worked for the hockey team, I worked for the for the arena that the hockey team played in, and uh, we had a hockey team and we had a handball team. And uh, the handball team at that time was the number one team in, in in Germany and one of the top five six teams in Europe. And um, then we had this promotion event with uh, WWE. Uh, so they sent one of or two of their wrestling superstars on a promo tour to, you know, make promotion for the tour that's coming up. And they wanted local sports celebrities, and then they wanted to do some stuff for media. And so they 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 send in a couple hockey players, a couple soccer players, and a couple handball players. And then come the WWE guys, and they're just looking like little kids compared to handball guys. <laughs> they're oh, geez, they're really? big. They're tall. Handball players are really tall, and they're they're beasts. So they're really tough guys. And it's not exactly my sport because it's it's very there's a lot of fouls going on. Yeah, which is part of the game, but. Um, but it's it's popular. The funny, I think the 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 average fan on a in a German handball arena is probably fifty or older. There's for whatever reason, it's a very old sport when it comes to fans. Uh, but it's popular. It's extremely popular. It's like when you watch a European. They have a a world championship every two years and a European championship every two years, and it's almost the same teams. It's like, wow. you know, in a world championship, you might have, I don't know, you have Brazil and Egypt and a couple other countries, but for the most part, it's, it's European teams because handball is really big in Europe. Really, really big. Yeah. You know, it was funny. Like years ago, I, I you know, saw it 
watching the Olympics and I'm like, what the hell is this? It's like a cross between basketball, hockey, and indoor soccer. It, it's the weirdest <laughs> thing. And handball in the United States is a whole different thing, right? Okay. It's, it's two guys, a ball, and a wall, and it's more like racquetball without a racket. That's okay. that's kind of the, the way we play handball huh. here. But then, I, yeah, like decades ago, I saw it in the Olympics. I'm like, what the fuck is this? Um, and yeah, and, and then you find out it's huge in Europe. It's a big, big, big sport there. And it, it's a really interesting game to watch. And it, and it really is. Um, you know, it's played with a, a ball that's smaller than a volleyball. And uh, I don't know how many guys there are or uh, girls on the side, but, you know, so five on five, whatever. And, uh, and you try to, you know, get the ball in the net just like you do in soccer or hockey or, you know, or basketball. But like you said, it can get physical. Very physical, yeah, yeah. Yep, and uh, you know when you're when you're on defense and you're trying to get that guy uh, keep that guy away from the net and getting an easy shot, you know, yeah, they can and no pads involved, um, yeah, they can they can thump each other as they're playing defense. I, I found uh, uh, obviously the United States are the uh, the world class in uh, in women's water polo, but I found women's water polo <laughs> this this time fascinating. I actually watched it more than you know than I ever have before. Um, you know, it's funny when I was a kid and, you know, it's funny that you mentioned American sports and we'll, we'll get into your, your love of American football in a minute. But when I was a kid, you would see the Indianapolis 500. You would see the Daytona 500. You'd see things like, um, you know, you, you'd watch the Olympics every four years, but you had no idea that in, uh, for, for the Indianapolis 500, there was something called, you know, cart or, you know, IndyCar racing, you, you had no idea what Formula One was. And then with NASCAR, you had no idea that there was the Winston Cup and whatever the hell they're calling it now, the Sprint yeah. Cup. Uh, you had no idea. You, you're like, where the hell do these people come from for this one-time event? <laughs> right? And then it was the same thing with, with the Olympic sports, right? You didn't know there was a World Cup that happened every year. And then you had the Olympics on the fourth year. So you're watching, you know, downhill skiing or slalom or ski jump or everything. You're like, man, for every four years, these people get together for this one time thing. Now they do it every fucking year. Um, but, uh, as you mentioned, my friend, uh, you know, one of the reasons we became friends and, and the reason we, we bonded was over the love of American football. And as far as, you know, Look, Canadians like American football or the NFL better than they do Canadian football. Um, but when it comes to the NFL and even American college football, NCAA, uh, you you were a fan and have been for a, for a very, very long time. And it, it's really interesting uh, how and why that is. Yeah, I mean, I can't really... You know, it started, I, I grew up in East Germany, and when the wall came down, one of the first trends, so to say, is that American sports kind of came to Europe. I don't know why. I think there was some some basketball games played in Europe, and I think the NFL in, in the 90s, early, mid-90s, played some preseason games in, in, in Europe, um, and that's how it kind of became you know, a bit of a pop culture thing just a little bit and that's when i became a fan i was probably 12 13 years old there was no internet nothing so you you had some magazines 
and then there were there were one and done magazines basically because nobody read them. So that's how you got some information. And then yeah, when the internet came around, it was it changed my life basically. I still couldn't watch a lot of games. You know, there were no live streams. There was no Game Pass, no whatever. And and these days today, I mean, my son is watching like four college football games at the same time. I was sure I didn't. You know, I didn't have anything like that. So, so, so usually you had sometimes you knew stuff weeks later than than when they actually happened. So, and but for some reason, I just became fascinated with with the sport, American football, and also baseball and hockey. And um, I mean, there's hockey in, in Germany too. So that's that wasn't new. Um, baseball was new. Football was was football. There's a Football tradition, if you want to call it a tradition, but it started. There's a history to football in, in, in Europe. You have teams that played in the 70s and 80s. You can't compare it. There's, it's, it's not the same. It's not even close. I mean, you send a Division three team, college team to Europe, and it's still 95% of the time would beat the best teams in Europe. So it's it's not the same level. It's a complete different level because it's it's amateur sport. In Europe, right? American football is amateur sport, and but for me, the fascination was was kind of there since I was a teenager, and it just kept growing, and uh, yeah, kind of even became part of my, my my business life, which is yeah, which makes this yeah, which makes it's, this it's this special. whole thing possible, yeah, and and and, and, and it's special to to you and I, right, because. You know, when the Swarco Raiders became the Oakland Raiders sister team, you know, it's kind of funny because I wrote a series several years ago about jersey numbers worn in Oakland Raiders history. Mm -hmm. And the criteria was you had to have played in one regular season game to make the list. Now, what's interesting about that, you talk about club football, American football in Europe. I came across a guy, and I can't remember his name, but you talk about amateur football, and it's a D3 team would go over to Europe and smack any European club team around. There was a guy who came out of some small California college, quarterback. He was going to make the Raiders. He was going to make the team as the third quarterback. This is in the 80s. He broke his thumb in training camp or in a preseason game or whatever. And he went to England and landed with a club team. And the craziest thing is nobody had ever seen anything like this guy. He's throwing the ball all over the yard. They can't stop him. And they win the championship the first year. I mean, going away. It, was, it wasn't even a contest. I'll have to, I'll have to look it up and, and send it to you. The second season, he goes back over there. He's gonna he sets the league on fire again. The second year, they still don't know what to do with him, and they're on the eve of the championship. That weekend, it's a Friday. The head coach and the general manager of this club team are sitting in a bar in London or wherever it was, and the quarterback walks in. And he's like, "I want my money." They're like, "Well, it's after you know, it's Friday. It's after hours. The banks are all closed. We'll get it to you, you know, on Monday." No, I want my money, or I'm not playing in the championship game. They're like, what the fuck? And he 
true to his word. They don't pay him because they don't have the money. And that weekend, championship game, they lose because he doesn't play. <laughs> and he disappears off the face of the earth. And, you know, when we think about European-American football, we, we always think, you know, the NFL Europe and whatever we're, you know, whatever we want to call that, right? But as you mentioned, there's all these club teams and club leagues, right? Again, this is part of how we, we got to know each other was through the Austrian Football League and the, and the Swarco Raiders. Um, and it just, I found that story fascinating. There's this huge Q&A online with the general manager of that English team that this guy played for that details the whole freaking story. It, it's ridiculous. You're listening to the Get the Knack podcast. I'm your host, Jerry Knack, and I'm joined by my very, very good friend all the way from Austria, German-born Sebastian Stoltz. Sebastian, I, you know, when it comes to that that European club thing, it's not just football, it's basketball too, right? I mean, you look at things like the Spanish League and, I mean, the, like some, some American imported sports are huge in Europe. Yeah, yeah, basketball is a big thing. And, I mean, I think basketball is – I think that's not a secret anymore, right? I mean, there's so many people from – not even not only from Europe, but from all over the world playing big time in the NBA. So I think basketball is really like the perfect example how a sport can really become famous in, in, in all over the world. You know, that's, that's basketball is big in Europe, yeah. Not in every country, I guess, but there's there's a lot of big big clubs of basketball too. Well, I'm a big Boston Celtics fan, and now a German uh, German player, uh, Dennis Schroeder, is on the uh, Boston Celtics. True, yeah, he he is. Uh, I think he's. Uh, I, I I wouldn't say he's a superstar in Germany. I think he, he always he was. I think his character is a little. Not everybody likes him. And um, not everybody I likes him that, here you know, either. He's, he's not. He's not. He's, he's not Dirk Nowitzki, but the, no, just, no. You know, everybody loves Dirk, so it's hard yeah, to yeah. be Dirk Nowitzki. But but no, but Dennis Schroeder was always a little edgy, sure. uh, which is you know it's his style is who he is. Um, um, but I think he kind of. Uh, he thought he would get a bigger deal, right? That wasn't that. The, yeah, he, you know, they. It's kind of funny when you look at the LA Lakers right now, and and you yeah. know, it, it, it's funny because two years ago they won the championship in the bubble, and one of the reasons they won that title, in my estimation, is they had like this fantastic bench, right? They had these great role players and bench players. In the last two years, they've they've you know, last year they replaced the entire bench. And the mistake they made was with Dennis Schroeder was they thought he was a starting point guard, which the guy was, you know, with Oklahoma City, he was going to be the, the sixth man of the year, but he ended up starting a lot of games. He's not a starting point guard. And so then the Lakers, they they uh, they replaced the entire bench again going into this year. And now <clears throat> they're full of a bunch of geriatric guys chasing championship. <laughs> That's the problem with them, right? So... You know, they got, it's like that, that year they brought in like Carl Malone and those guys trying to, trying to get a, a championship on the back end of their career. And, and they're not doing well with that. Right. And, and the odd man out of all of that was Dennis Schroeder. But they offered him a, a good deal as far as I remember. I think they offered him like a million for, I don't know, three or four years and he declined. He said he could get something better. 
Right, he bet on himself, and and then was they, not the case. No, yeah. but the but the Lakers go out and get freaking Westbrook, who can't hit the broadside of a barn from outside of ten feet. So, you know, you look at the Lakers, and it is it's a bunch of older older players like Carmelo Anthony chasing a championship, and it's just not gonna gonna work out. But one of the things I wanted to ask you about, especially with your experience in hockey, and and basketball being another one, it seems like. And it's and and it's not a recent phenomenon, but it just seems like it continues on almost in perpetuity. And some American teams are better about this than others, but that European pipeline for players, right? So you see, uh, so many you you've got the Kristaps uh, Porzingis and Luka Doncic, and even even going into other parts of Europe like, uh, you know, the Ennis Cantors of the world, right? it's really, really interesting to see in the NBA more than any other sport the, and, and hockey, the other being the other one, uh, the pipelines to American sports from, from Europe. It, it's really fascinating to watch. Yeah. And I mean, I think in these days, if you're, if you should have scouts all over the world and you've got to have them in Europe when you're, when you're, when you're into hockey or basketball, you gotta have your scouts over here, and you gotta make sure you get. There's a lot of talent running around here. I, I, I can't really. Again, I'm not a big basketball guy, but I know in hockey there's a lot of talent. Even in football, even in football, you have so many. You have a lot of kids right now that played uh, that play big time college football. You have a German kid playing for Notre Dame. You have a German kid playing for Michigan. You have you have a German quarterback at TCU. Isn't so, there a German defensive end in the NFL? Uh, right now, isn't isn't is he still German- in the in the in the league? And 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 I I will go to my grave and I will say that our our friend Florian Grein would have played in the <laughs> NFL, could have played in the NFL if he didn't blow out his knee. Maybe Flo would have been the first one. Who knows? But there's uh, there's another Swalker Raider. There's two former Swalker Raiders guys in the international pathway program. One is uh, Zambo Platzkoma, running back for the Giants, who's really he's he's uh, he reminds me a lot of Christian McCaffrey. Of course, again, you know when you play amateur level and when you play, you know, practice ten times a day and have all the, the the opportunities those kids have when they were high school kids it's still different but he reminds me a lot of him and you have uh, Max Persia who's a I think offensive lineman or defensive lineman he plays for the Rams and he's also been with the Raiders so um there's there's a really good pipeline of kids coming over i mean the days when you had like Sebastian Falmer playing offensive line for the Patriots or Bjorn Werner playing for the Colts these were like just they they looked like i don't know they they were you 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 didn't think that germans could make it in the nfl but but i think it's going to change i think you you see more and more there's actually really uh some agencies over here that that bring the best kids and tour them all over america to all the big colleges and the other way around you have you have coaches uh, you have Coach Harbo coming to Europe and check out uh, camps here, and you have coaches from Penn State, Ohio State, everywhere. They're coming over to Europe to check out talent here. So there's really 
there's they're building a pipeline right now because I mean you have so many colleges in America and you know how it is they they want to yeah. have the best kids and because it's a million zillion dollar business and if, if you know if you find kids in other places then in America why not yeah you know it's funny you you describe it all that way because one of the things that we've been hearing about is something called the Africa Basketball League right because. A lot of times you you see young people coming to the NBA or even American college basketball programs coming from Africa. Now they're going to have like an, a, a developmental league in Africa. If it's not already a thing, it's about to be, right? So one of the things you just said a second ago really resonates. You have to be everywhere. You have to have scouts around the world, right? I mean, how else are you going to find a Yao Ming, right? So you have to find talent anywhere and if it gives you the winning edge right i mean you look yeah. at you, you look at you know some of these guys that have come over from france you have rudy gobert you have tony parker you have you know you know guys like that who, who've come over but um you know from hockey we started hearing about it you know in the 80s with with uh finland and sweden and russia and in all these different places uh where they were bringing in hockey talent but now it's a good point you make about about football because I do I do think Flo could have played you know if he had had the same opportunity Flo had a lot of talent at running back and I think he could have uh, he could have been a, a player in American football in uh, North America right um, and you the other thing you see too is as I mentioned the guy who played in England but you see guys uh, God I wish I uh, uh, Christy Johnson's husband what the hell was his first name. Uh, you see American guys who Jason, Jason, Jason Johnson, uh, Arizona or Arizona state, right? You see some of these American guys that they didn't get a chance coming out of college to play in the NFL or even any one of these other leagues that have popped up and in the, with the death of NFL Europe, you see a lot of these guys going over to Europe and barnstorming and playing with different teams, uh, in, in Europe. And, and raising the bar and raising the level of play there. So it's kind of really an interesting dynamic to see the exchange of talent between America and Europe, especially with American football in places like Germany and Austria. Yeah. Sure. So, Mr. Stoltz, I wasn't going to bring it up, but I got to ask. Oh. I, I got to ask. You know, it was kind of funny when we first met everybody, like, said you had a nickname and it was called fumble and i was wondering where the nickname fumble came from i never told you I, you may have uh, but you're getting old i'm and getting old an i'm getting old. And, and i have an audience that hasn't heard the story yeah. so whether um, i know it or not the, right I, the, I think you told me when we first met because because the, the guys kept calling you fumble <laughs> uh yeah so uh where'd that come from the the thing is, I think nobody calls me that anymore. It's it's been <laughs> kind of it kind of it's been more it than ten years, right? And yeah, it's kind of fallen kind of off. Oh yeah, it, so it actually, it started um, when I had an internship with a German sports website, and um, it, I was working in the in the with the soccer guys, and. Um, I guess I've been there a couple of weeks, maybe, and then they kind of found found out that I actually wasn't a big soccer guy. I really, I 
to be honest, still the same. I couldn't care less about soccer. I, I'm very un-German. And, um, <laughs> and, and then they wonder, what is your sport? I'm like, I'm a big football guy, like the other football, this American thing. Ooh, oh, yeah, okay. And then one guy just kept – the first thing he came up with was fumble. Okay, then I call you fumble. And then <laughs> – so it, it wasn't like stuck. you actually were playing in a game where you actually no, fumbled no, in a criti- critical with... situation. No, no, it was really just it was just, it uh, was just because it was an American football term, and you were a fan. Yeah, I was a fan, and there were some soccer guys uh, that Jesus, that, you know, try to be funny. That that is too funny. Uh, so it's kind of funny. We uh, we met, uh, you know, a lot of. A lot of folks through you and, and the Swarco Raiders, like uh, Sean F- uh, uh, Fatah, the, the head coach a few years back, and you know uh, guys like Flo uh, that we mentioned, Mario Renner. Uh, how are all the guys that uh, that came over and uh, you know, um, God Blitzy the kicker? What the hell was his full name? <laughs> Jesus Christ, guys, guys are freaking. You know, we're we're friends on Facebook and and whatnot, and you know he pops up on my feed every once in a while. And uh, Robert, Robert, right? Uh, yeah, he wasn't. Where was he from? Anyway, he's like from Poland or somewhere like that. He was. Think, I'm not sure, but I think it might be Croatia. But I, I, yeah, yeah, I yeah, somewhere, to... somewhere like that, right? Like one of the the Balkans, right? Yeah. How yeah. are all, how are all the people I, that we've come across in in uh, our travels and in our our crossed career paths? I couldn't I I couldn't tell you about all the people because I think I tried to a few months back. I tried to to look back at it and wonder how many times did we send coaches over there, and I'm not sure. That I it was really three was, or four. It was three or I think, four. I think it was. Did a I lot know? of guys over there. I think Santos. Oh um, yeah. Santos, the, the 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 first head coach that we sent over from Austria to, to America, um, who was actually a high school friend of the Fassels. That's right. And, and, and Bones and is, Bones was on the staff at the time. Yeah. I remember, yeah. yeah. And Santos is still. I think he's still in coaching. He went for. I think the last gig I remember was Murray State. So he really okay. coached back in the U.S. And Nick Johansson, who was the offensive yeah. coordinator back in the days, he yeah. coached coaching Poland for a team, and now he's actually the head coach here in Salzburg, where I live. So Nick and I. Um, um, hang out every now and then, have a beer. Um, oh, that's great. Flo is still with the organization, still yep. with the youth program, working with the youth program. Uh, Mario is having his own business, but he's still involved. And I think a lot of the guys that left the game, because again, it's amateur sport. So I think the Swalker Raiders are very professionalized when it comes to practicing and, 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 front office and all that kind of stuff. But in the end, it's still amateur sports. So those guys were all like having a job, going to school, uh, becoming a doctor. What, what We had everything. And um, so Mario has his own company. And a lot of guys that we had over there are out of the sport, but still in some way or the other involved with the sport Raiders. Um, Peter is still, Peter Schwarzer, who was over there. Um, he was the club manager back then. He's yeah. still um, he's still on the board 
Um, Kevin Heron, I don't know if you remember him. He was with Peter, I think, that year. Kevin is now the app coach. Okay. Because so, so who, who was the offensive coordinator with Sean, though, um, that came over that one year? I can't remember. He was from England, if I remember Lee. right. Lee, yeah. Lee Rowland, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. He was a great Shua, guy. Shua and, Shua and Lee are still, uh, like, they're, they're, they're like an old married couple. So they're... <laughs> Wherever one guy goes, the other does too. Oh, that's so. great. Because <laughs> Schwann had come over from, from German uh, yeah. football league, and then and then he coached the Swarco Raiders for a few years. And, um, yeah, it was – man, I tell you what. Uh, some of my, uh, you know, preseason fun times was, was when you guys would come visit and um, and uh, get to know you guys. And uh, it was, that was – a a huge highlight of my, my career. Cause training camp, the thing about training camp in the national football league is it, it's very monotonous. It can get, you know, you have two weeks before you play your first preseason game. And the first mm. two weeks can be such a grind. And, uh, you're, you're just churning out when you work in digital media, like us, we just churn out content constantly day after day after day and until you play your first preseason game it gets really monotonous so to have international guests come over especially when you come over now you you were an old hat right but when you have guys come over who've never seen it before to see the look in their eyes and and the enthusiasm you know it made it all worthwhile and one of the things that you mentioned was how professionalized the Swarco Raiders became I really really truly believe that the guys that came over to visit took back a lot from how yeah, practices sure. were run, how the organization was run yeah. and incorporated that into the structure of the Swarco Raiders. Yeah, definitely. Especially I think for the coaches, um, I think the biggest thing for them was again, you know, you don't have as many coaches and, and you, you, you know, there's always going to be guys missing at practice because they're still at work, stuff like that. Sure. But it just doesn't happen in pro sports. So, but I think one of the main things they, took back was how to really optimize a practice so that there's not 10 guys just standing around. So, so, so everybody really uses the time given like, like to an optimum. So that, that was, I think one of the biggest things they always took back. Yeah. And I think one of the things that Mario took back was really how to run a, a professional strength and conditioning program. Yeah, some of this. Yeah, yeah, right. And then we learned, we learned that certain kinds of cheese is really good to put on some kind of soft tissue <laughs> industry, I- I- injury. Remember? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's, you know what's funny? I'm watching the fucking Olympics, and I don't know who it was or what sport it was, but they're putting cheese on their industry, and I'm like, I know that on that injury, <laughs> I know that. I've seen yeah. it. And these freaking Europeans are crazy. They're putting cheese on a freaking pulled calf muscle, but it works. Yeah, it's kind of. Yeah, it's kind of a. It's, it's not the regular cheese that you, it's a <laughs> like kind of kind of a cottage cheese, right? It's a, it's a thing. And, and it, I mean, it, yeah, and, yeah. And, and, and you put it in a towel, in a thin towel, and put it. I I, I did it once too, uh, <laughs> and, and, and you put it in a towel. I put it on my knee, which was pretty big ball. And it, and it kind of soaks out the, the water. Sure. It, it really works. It, <laughs> it really does. does. It does. But it was so funny because I learned that from you guys. And I'm watching the Olympics and they're doing it on some injury. I didn't mean to say industry a second ago like an idiot. But injury. And I'm like, I know this. 
I've seen this before. <laughs> Where the hell have See? I seen? Yeah, damn Swarco Raiders and their freaking crazy injury treatment. Uh, it's nuts. <laughs> Sebastian, it's been so much fun catching up with you. It's it's great. We could talk for another you know a couple hours about all this this fun stuff. Um, how can uh, how can people follow you online? Or I can't find you on Twitter. So you know where? where Actually, I am on Twitter. Are you? What is Twitter. your Twitter handle? My Twitter handle is uh, Call Me Stolle, because that's what most people call me these days. S T O double L E. Call oh. Me Stolle. Oh Jesus See? Christ! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because because uh, um, that's that's my name in my. Uh, I got a YouTube show. So, oh, so you okay. Know, uh, you gotta, you know, gotta, I'm, gotta find Sebastian on YouTube. Yeah, I remember. I remember you doing some stuff. The, weren't you old, doing I'm some? Only, you were doing some like fantasy football stuff. And we're and, having our own. Yeah, we started a, a, a football. It started as a podcast, but then it was. I think we're the only show in Germany that does podcast and YouTube. Uh, we're the only old guys on YouTube. So, <laughs> so Oh, well, I mean, I do this podcast because I miss doing radio when I was in the military, right? I used to have, you know, I was stationed in Iceland and and I had my own radio show, did sports talk, but I also did music too. And, you know, so the podcast is a perfect medium for me and nobody needs to see this face, right? So, but the thing, the thing of it is, my friend, I was talking to my friend Doug Anderson on the show uh, last week and uh, Doug's from Kansas City and we met because he and his wife were huge on Twitter and big Raider fans in Kansas City. And and I truly believe that people are put in your path in life for a reason. And I really think you, Sebastian Stoltz, were put in my path for a reason. And we became fast friends and we've been friends ever since. And we don't talk enough. And I really, really appreciate you coming on the podcast and catching up with me and telling these crazy stories and and uh, and recalling our, our time working together and and what you got going on now in hockey and European sports and your love of, of American football. Uh, I, I really do. Uh, I miss seeing you on a regular basis or semi regular basis, and I miss talking to you on a regular basis. See, yeah, I mean, you you asked me what a couple days ago. Yeah, was it? I should have had you on a long time ago. (laughs) Yeah, but you got you got lucky because usually I'm extremely busy on the weekends. Hockey is you know we got too many games. Hockey is just crazy, but um, yeah, it worked out today. So good for both of us. Absolutely. Normally I record on uh, Friday night, uh, but last night was the uh, premiere of the new Ghostbusters Afterlife here in the U.S. And I'm a huge fan of the original Ghostbusters films. And, um, you know, as much as I like the 2016, I think it was, film with Melissa McCarthy and Kristen Wiig and Leslie Jones uh, and Kate McKinnon, uh, that wasn't really a sequel, right? And what we get, what we just got was a sequel to the original two Ghostbusters films and went out last night and okay. saw that. And, and it worked out with you timing-wise. You were nine hours ahead uh, in, in Austria, and uh, it, it has worked out perfectly timing-wise uh, Saturday afternoon for me and Saturday night for you. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but no, I really appreciate it, and it's great to hear your voice again, my friend. Yeah, it was great. So if we we can catch up whenever, yeah. whenever um, you need a guest. <laughs> whenever I need a guest. No, we need to we need to stay in touch uh, and, and keep up on a more uh, regular basis uh, beyond the podcast. 
So sounds good. I really appreciate you coming on. So that's going to do it for this edition of the Get the Knack podcast. I have been your host, Jerry Knack, for sports journalist and digital media guru, maven, whatever you want to call him, uh, expert in European hockey and sports and big fan of American football, Sebastian Stoltz. We'll talk to you next time.